So what are the seven practices, claims management practices, that can act as a magnet for institutional bad faith claims? Hi, this is Kevin Quinley. I'd like to welcome you back to this installment of The Claims Coach. This is the podcast delivering tips, tools, and techniques to help great claim and risk professionals get even better at managing their claims, their time, their resources, and their careers. So for the past three weeks, we've been talking briefly about institutional bad faith. Last week, we began listing four of what you could call seven deadly sins. I wouldn't exactly call them that because I'm not saying that these are inherently bad management practices, but they are claims management practices that can serve as a magnet for institutional bad faith claims. We did habits one through four a week ago. Let's round that out with five through seven today. And practice number five is inadequate or deficient claim supervision. This could be due to unqualified supervisors or excessively large caseloads or excessively large spans of control in terms of supervisor to adjuster ratios. If you got 10 people that you're in charge of, could be spotty quality assurance or control processes, but could be failure to audit claim files. But bad faith counsel sometimes will launch an institutional attack on the insurance company for deficient management oversight to catch errors and assure quality control. In one case that I was involved with, a workers' comp adjuster and her employer received multiple fines and bad faith findings from the state workers' comp commission on the same claim file for late payments and lack of communication with the injured claimant. This triggered a bad faith suit against the adjuster and her employer, the insurance company, for late payments, but also an overarching institutional bad faith claim alleging, among other things, negligent supervision. The plaintiff argued that the insurance company lacked adequate supervisory management and oversight processes to promptly spot deviations from proper claim handling to intervene and fix problems. The plaintiff also claimed that the insurance company benefited from this by minimizing their labor costs, maximizing supervisory span of control, and burdening supervisors with so many tasks that they couldn't assure that adjusters were competently handling their claims. So how can you tell if the plaintiffs are about to launch this kind of institutional attack? Well, in some cases, in many cases, you can, you can expect interrogatories, deposition questions, or requests for production of documents related to supervisory staffing, such as, how many adjusters are there per supervisor? How often do supervisors audit claim files? What written protocols within the insurance company govern supervisory quality control? Does the company keep records of supervisory review of adjuster files? Has adjuster performance or non-performance on claim files been the subject of human resources documentation or disciplinary action? Please produce the personnel file or files of the handling adjuster or supervisor. These are all red lights on the dashboard that an institutional bad faith claim 
rooted in inadequate supervisory and quality control may be coming. And that's danger sign and management habit number five. Number six, in terms of the seven deadly claims management practices that can spawn institutional bad faith claims, would be a corporate culture that encourages overzealous coverage or claim denials. Now, we touched on this a little bit before when I talked about the adjuster who was so adroit at denying coverage that his company honored him by deciding to funnel all coverage issues through him. Hey, maybe instead of 60 per year, we can get him up to 70 or 80. Okay, sometimes management incentivizes aggressive, hard-nosed claim defense, and it's not due to any monetary carrot. You know, the rewards can be monetary, but they can be psychic or non-monetary. Uh, the, the latter would include uh, bosses praising adjusters who save money by denying claims or honoring those who are very adept at denying coverage. Remember one time I audited a California workers' comp claim office of a multi-billion dollar insurance company. This unit devoted an entire wall to displaying letters from the State Division of Workers' Compensation citing denial of claims by the adjusters. I have to admit, initially my reaction was, wow, what a clever way to motivate adjusters. But in time, I realized that well-intentioned efforts to praise adjusters could backfire in a situation like this. The law of unintended consequences plays out in a number of potentially costly ways. Because in the zeal to gain management accolades, adjusters might assert flimsy defenses to delay or contest legitimate claims. Institutional bad faith claims may advance with a plaintiff narrative that the insurance company or claims administrator had a corporate culture rewarding adjusters who aggressively defend or deny claims even when those claims merit payment. So for a case study in how a company culture and practices can spawn bad faith claims, consider the case of Nardelli versus Metropolitan. This is a matter of public record, so I'm not talking out of school here. In this case, company management allegedly assigned its claim department a significant role in hitting corporate profit goals. The plaintiff offered evidence that Metropolitan subjected adjusters to aggressive and personal accountability for company-wide profit goals. In fact, management held road shows to drive home the message that profit goals must be met. The insurance company allegedly threatened that adjusters might lose jobs if they missed those profit goals, and the company would sell off business divisions, imperiling job security. Also, the plaintiff argued that Metropolitan instituted aggressive company-wide profit goals and communicated these to the claim department, including communiques to a specific office and adjusters handling the plaintiff's claim. In addition, Metropolitan tied the benefits paid to claim offices and employees to, among other things, average claim payments. So part of their personnel and performance evaluation was their average claim payment. So even well-intentioned bonus programs can end up in the gun sites of plaintiffs alleging institutional bad faith. Uh, one company established a gain-sharing program for adjusters 
who'd be eligible for bonuses if the company achieved a certain threshold of profitability. And in the employee materials about this program, there was a drawing, a pictogram, of a tree sprouting dollar bills. I was engaged on this case. The plaintiff attorney sued the insurance company for bad faith, alleging institutional deficiencies. He claimed that adjusters were encouraged to pluck money from the proverbial tree through deliberate underpayment of claims. He took this icon, he took this drawing, he took this picture, and tried to weaponize it against the insurance company. So I think this highlights the fact that claim manuals, department meeting agendas, human resource materials, performance evaluations, and other corporate documents should be reviewed with an eye to making sure they cannot be misconstrued in the courtroom as Exhibit A in an institutional bad faith case. Each corporate document has to be evaluated against the backdrop of the question, how would this document look in the courtroom as a jury exhibit? And that's claims management practice number six. Finally, management practice number seven, I'm going to call goals gone wild. Uh, you remember the, the videos that used to be advertised on late night TV, girls gone wild, uh, spring break videos. Well, likely all of us have heard the phrase, that which gets measured gets done. And while that maxim has some validity, uh, those of us who have managed and supervised people realize that merely managing doesn't necessarily motivate employees to do and accomplish their tasks. We can try to lose weight by stepping on scales. We can do it daily or hourly, but if we don't pair that measurement with the motivation to diet and exercise, if we keep eating Twinkies and ding-dongs, we can weigh ourselves hourly for months and not drop a single pound. Measurement by itself doesn't get her done. Now, plaintiff attorneys pursuing institutional bad faith claims will try to pair it with allegations that an adjuster mishandled the file. The starting point, the starting point is the adjuster's alleged mishandling of the claim. Distinguishing an institutional bad faith claim is the added assertion that the adjuster's mishandling was due to a broader corporate or management deficiency that encouraged this behavior usually because of some obsession with financial goals. The plaintiffs will argue that the insurance company has a pattern in practice of unfair claim handling, driven by a profit motive, profits over customers, to maximize income by perverting the claim department's intended function and by trying to transform the claim department into a financial profit center. And so plaintiffs may seek discovery on bad faith suits elsewhere, even in other states, to try to make the case that XYZ Insurance Company is an evil empire whose misdeeds go beyond one file. The aim is to maximize damages and present to the jury a compelling case of corporate greed instituted through implementation of monetary goals to adjusters and that that merits awards of punitive and compensatory damages. So those are the seven claim management practices. They're not inherently evil, but can be used as weapons that can be weaponized by the plaintiff's bad faith bar to pursue institutional bad faith claims. So where do we go from there? Well, that's going to be the subject of our next podcast. What risk management strategies can insurance companies 
claim departments, TPAs, independent, adjust independent adjusting firms utilize and implement in order to inoculate themselves from the threat of institutional bad faith claims. If you like content here, please subscribe to the Claims Coach podcast on iTunes and leave a review. And for more information on Quinley Risk Associates and my menu of services, please visit me on the web at www.kevinquinley.com. Connect with me on Twitter. I'm at Claims Coach. That's one word, at Claims Coach. Or connect with me through LinkedIn. But hey, thank you for listening and be sure to check back for future claims and risk management resources and podcasts from Quinley Risk Associates.